every 24 hours. No, Today, police made a shocking discovery in Poughkeepsie. A third body was found here today. A Poughkeepsie couple vanished over the weekend, seemingly without a trace. Do you mind if I film this? I'm making a little movie about my trip. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Horror Haven Podcast. I'm Dylan. I'm not Dylan. Neither am I. <laughs> I'm John. <laughs> I'm Becca. And today we are talking about <laughs> the Poughkeepsie tapes, so enjoy. I did that for April Fool's, guys. <laughs> I was going to go with John Dylan, but I didn't want people to think my last name was Dylan. That'd be... Start he has two. Up. He has two first names. Bell's <laughs> <laughs> got two first names. We're on a podcast. I'm not sure what to do with my hands. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, we're going to start out by talking about the Poughkeepsie tapes. It was directed by John Eric Dowdle and written by Drew Dowdle and John Eric Dowdle. Are um, they brothers? Yes. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> the, this movie was actually... Both of these movies that we're covering tonight were made by the same people. So the more you know. Um, That's an FF. <laughs> So, the reason that we picked this movie, um, and I, I, I shared this with you a little bit, John. We're from the Poughkeepsie area. Uh, Ultra County! Me, Sierra, and Erica. And, uh, We're actually so, from a nice, a much nicer, wholesome part of that area. <laughs> but, like, we go shopping in that area. Yeah. So, a little background or go on... Or to shows there. A little background on this movie, um... It was supposed to be released in 2007, but something happened with the distribution company, I believe, and the movie was never released. Um, so back when this movie was supposed to come out, the only way to find it was to like dig deep on the internet. It was eventually uploaded onto YouTube. It a was few like years a ago. taboo too, like where where we went to where, where we went to school in our hometown. When you brought up the Poughkeepsie tapes, it's like, yo. You seen that movie? Yeah. You know, so the, and there was always the person that's like, you know, that shit's real, right? And we're like, no way, no way. And they're like, yeah, that's real, that's real shit. So I feel um, like every found footage movie, yeah, exactly, exactly, that to yeah. some degree, and because an eighty-five-year-old granddad Harold sees it, and well, you know, and, and, this was also anyway. around. Uh, when like paranormal activity had come out and stuff, this actually, oh, shit, I think, yeah, because this I, was this was oh seven, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, so okay. um, I was a freshman in high school. So the only way to find this movie was to dig deep on the internet, and there was, uh, you know, I I don't know if this is like an everywhere thing or if it was just our area because we were from around that area, but there were people that you know, oh, the movie wasn't released because it was real and they got in trouble for the footage and like just shit like that. It's that Francois guy. Yeah. Um. The movie. Right. The movie is loosely 
inspired by, even though the uh, the creator said that. Okay, it's, the creators tried to say that it has. It's not inspired by. It's not based on. It's not. It has nothing to do with Kendall Francois. Kendall, Kendall Francois, but like, yo, Kendall Francois was raping prostitutes. And killing them in the 90s, yo. And well, hiding their bodies in And hiding house. their bodies in his house. Yeah. And I think that one of the other telling pieces of this, too, was Kendall Francois. He was, now, there's, <clears throat> excuse me, there's a lot of different serial killers that I've studied at length as, as part of the grad study program I was a part of, and Kendall Francois was one of them. And it's kind of hard to say that there's no direct parallels between the Poughkeepsie tapes being inspired by loosely Kendall Francois and the fact that um, he didn't have tapes of his crimes, yeah. but he had a correspondence with um, a former, it wasn't a cellmate, it was a lady who was in a cell above him. Mm-hmm. But after she was released from prison, she had had a back and forth uh, letter correspondence with Kendall Francois. Where, so there's these there's these, uh, these really long letters that they would write to each, well, he wrote really long letters. She yeah. didn't really write a whole lot in return, but it's really but weird too because, uh, like, you can look up these letters online. Um, yep, yep. And she she wasn't aware of who he was until she had gotten out. They had gotten into contact with each other by talking through the fucking vents of the prison, like the. Uh-huh. Um, yep. So, but it, so it's, it's hard it, to say that it's not based on it at all. Yeah. Well, the, the, what they had said, know. though, when it was brought up that, you know, this movie's really similar to these crimes, they were like, oh, we didn't even know about that. Like, we yeah. had no clue. Yeah, they're like, whoa, we had no idea. But See, it's what probably I, more to save their ass. Yeah. What I got from this movie, because um, there is the, the period of time where the killer in this movie switches up his MO and he starts killing prostitutes, and they thought that it was a completely different killer. Right. That's yeah. that's the aspect of it that I fi- figured was um, inspired inspired by uh, Francois because that killer was targeting prostitutes specifically. Well, and and why pick Poughkeepsie, New York specifically? Right. If this is straight up not inspired by anything, why not pick yeah, like, some town in the middle of fucking wherever exactly. or the thing is, has is no ties like, to any serial criminal? It's not like they were from that area to where they would know Poughkeepsie. Like, Poughkeepsie's a big city to where we're from. Like, everyone in that area is aware of Poughkeepsie, but once you leave that area, Poughkeepsie is not important other than a, a go through town on the train right. from the city. I mean, if yeah, I brought up, still, I feel like, we live in North Carolina now, and I, if I went up to somebody and said, oh, Poughkeepsie, oh, yeah, New York. Oh, yeah, we live in New Poughkeepsie. They wouldn't know what yeah. you're talking about, you know, unless you watch fucking uh, SVU a lot and you hear it brought up about <laughs> no. prostitutes being killed, which is a really big hobby in Poughkeepsie, New York, guys. They just kill prostitutes there. It was also well, um, the following with Kevin Bacon. I think they went to Poughkeepsie quite a bit in that, too, if I remember right. Dylan's well, mom yeah, works in Poughkeepsie. It's actually a, a large hobby from a lot of serial killers nationwide. It always has been. There's this term with uh, serial murderers specifically and the media that covers serial murderers. There's a term called the less dead. Yeah. And so um, prostitutes uh, even – so, okay, there's two different sides of this. There's the less dead, and then there's, like, the angelic. So when you have, uh, you know, the okay, so the O.J. Simpson trial, right? He killed a pretty white lady, you know? Yeah. And so the hearts and sympathies go out to everybody who knew her. Well, the chances killing, are if you kill a prostitute, not a lot of people are going to notice. They're considered less dead mm-hmm. because they were, they're seen as more fringe people. Therefore, they were, like, less alive. And so, like, killing babies is, is like... 
it, it's kind of a debate between that one too, because it's like, well, babies didn't really have a chance to live much, so maybe they're the less dead. But your gut reaction is always to say that they're more angelic. Anyway, that, that's that's an off topic, but but killing prostitutes is a fairly common thing amongst well, bums and hobos and, and yeah. those kinds of people too. But but I just have a hard time believing that even in 2007, it's not like that was way before the internet age. I feel like any amount of research whatsoever on Poughkeepsie, yeah. New York yeah. would well, that's have the thing is, And as soon as it came out, well, everybody, everybody who knew about what happened in the 90s was like, oh yeah, that's gotta be similar. It's yeah. gotta be big. You know, because... Right. It was it was a big deal where we were from. Yeah. That was a now, huge thing because we didn't have yeah. murderers all the time. There wasn't a <laughs> no, normal exactly. thing. No, exactly. You know, there was tons of prostitutes, tons of drugs, but murderers, now that was a whole new level. Other than the mob. We did have right. mobs. Yeah. yeah, we had mobsters in our area that New killed York. people all the time. <laughs> But, well, um, but like, and, and, and those are actually serial killers to their own accord too, yeah. because they're just not like raping people with their own intestines, yeah. and, yeah. <laughs> yeah. stuff like that. But, but the, um, I, I just like maybe that didn't matter to them as filmmakers. I mean, maybe they knew, but I suppose if they said they had no idea, you yeah. Know, so. it, it, Either I mean, way, maybe someone was just like, oh yeah, well. How about we pick a random area in New York that has a pretty cool sounding name? Oh, what a coincidence! There was a murderer from there. That's exactly (laughs) the same MO. I honestly think that the film protect the film the filmmakers are trying to save their ass by not getting sued by making a movie based on loosely based on. Kendall Francois. Yeah, so and the, if you, and if you had to have movie... a town with poo in the name, you could have gone with Kickapoo, Kickapoo, <laughs> Missouri, I think, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, this movie, it actually wasn't widely released until October of um, this past year. 2017. Uh, 2017. Um, Scream Shout Factory. Fa- yeah, Shout Factory. Factory uh, they bought the rights and they released the movie on Blu ray. Now, when they did that, once again, in our hometown, they're like, "Oh my God, they're finally gonna release it!" And Woo! all I Everybody had to see all it. I had to see all of these people. So I watched it back in 2007. I was one of the people that dug deep into the internet and found this movie. It was on his little iPad class, iPod Classic. Yeah. Oh, so, dude, I can't imagine how like how like like I, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, especially in high school, if you're that kid that has access to something so exotic. <laughs> Oh my you god! Yeah, I mean? it was like, like oh my god, that's the kid that's seen that movie. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's yeah. like I'm Yo assuming guys, that was I'll a large part of your of your high school thing after you'd seen the Poughkeepsie tapes. Am I? Am I? Am I get? <laughs> Probably. I, I, I had his friends there. like Rich. Rich. I'm I had sure the. Uh, I, cared. I, I did have the bragging rights. I had the upper hand, but. Um, <laughs> <laughs> So I I remember watching this movie in 2007. Sarah hadn't watched it, but I after I watched it, I was like, "Don't watch this fucking movie." I literally everybody I saw, I was just like, "Don't don't watch it. Don't just do don't. it." Um, we Erica and I, it's been this like long going taboo thing that we're just like, "Don't watch the fucking just movie. Fucking don't, don't watch the movie." God. So this past year when they released it on Blu-ray, I was. There's again all these people from our hometown that are like, oh my god, they're gonna release We're it. We're gonna see it, it finally. Yeah. I'm gonna like people that I know have weak stomachs, weak hearts, aren't into horror that are just like, this is from where we're from, we gotta check it out. And I had to be the oh, one to be like, no. Absolutely <laughs> not. If you ever want to go to the Poughkeepsie Galleria again with clear mind and thoughts, don't watch it. Oh man. <laughs> so no, I'm just kidding, watch it. I didn't think it was that bad. Yeah, so I we watched it again for this uh, podcast, and I don't know if maybe I'm just a little desensitized now. It wasn't as bad watching it this time, 
But I think I just still had that stigma in my mind that I'm just like, this is fucked. This is fucked. And Sierra, <laughs> Sierra too, like, Sierra, at the end of it, she's like, you made that out to be a lot worse than yeah. it actually was. So, uh, to give a background on this movie, um, the movie follows an unnamed serial killer. You don't find, spoiler alert, you don't find out at the end of the movie who it is. Um, don't they, do they, don't they give it to you in the credits, though? I was a little confused by that, because the, the, the guy that, the, the actor... Uh, I think it was Ben Mesmer is, is the actor that portrays him. And he's given a name in the credits, I believe. It's Ed Carver, I think. That's interesting. I, that's just, I mean, maybe we want to fact check that quick, but I had done a little, I had, no, I won't lie to you. I wanted to leave the research to you guys for this one since it's more your <laughs> area. Well, there's really not, area. there's really not too much to go off of with this movie. As far as research. I mean, it wasn't, was it again, it wasn't like a, in Poughkeepsie. I like I know so. that I know the aerial views in the beginning were the kids because they saw the Mid Hudson Bridge. Yeah, and I was like, yeah, I know that fucking bridge. The lights change colors <laughs> yeah, every night. Yes, they make it red, white, and blue for July. Yeah, for it's red and green for Christmas. Um, it says it was filmed in Poughkeepsie, Minnesota. What? And, yeah, Poughkeepsie, Minnesota. <laughs> That's so. Uh, you'd actually, you'd actually Saint be Paul. really shocked. Saint Paul. Isn't that one of the Twin Cities? Right, the Twin yeah. Cities are in Minnesota. <laughs> Yeah, my sister actually, my sister and Crazy Jay, Crazy Jay is my brother-in-law, my sister and Crazy Jay, they live in St. Paul there, but, uh... What's the other big city? Minneapolis. Are they actually big? What's that? Are they actually big cities? Yeah, Yeah. no, they're big. They're they're actually, like, one giant city. It's one giant city. There's all kinds of stuff that says, like, you're now entering St. Paul, but there's no break between the cities. I think the metropolitan area... I, think I just pictured the, like the population a river is, like, between cities and like barbed wire fences and like fights. Like <laughs> I'm from St. Gang wars. Yeah, like, 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 no. Berlin, West Berlin. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's no, pretty it's, much it's, what I pictured. It's like any other cities. Uh, it's got its good areas, its bad areas. But I think the whole metropolitan area is like a million something. I don't remember. So, I, I just judge a city by by how long it takes to get through rush hour. <laughs> and it we've takes forever couple, to get to a couple, shower man. there. Yeah, so. but we, yeah, but when we yeah, go to St. Paul to visit my sister, it's it's a big city, and they're like, and, the, and they're like, yeah, you you can leave your car on the block, you can leave your car on the curb for like two days, but no longer than that because someone is probably going to try to come steal shit out of it. <laughs> and and I was like, I haven't had any issues being there, but the last time we did stay there, me and Roy were there for CryptidCon. <laughs> Somebody set a car on fire like three doors down from where Trace and Crazy Jay live. So, and they live in a pretty nice area too. So, That's crazy. I, it's it's a city. But the, uh, going off of that real quick, you, I'm actually shocked when I hear a lot of this shit. There's a lot of movies that shoot a lot of footage in Minnesota, and I don't yeah. know. That's how like, New York the, is too, yo. Like it's specifically where we're from. It's like we're constantly like we'll watch a movie on Netflix, and we'll be like, wait. Hold up. Yeah. Hold up. I know that town. <laughs> yeah, Hold yeah, on yeah. a second. And it happens yes. constantly. It's like, it, it, uh, it's a very historic area, and I think yeah. that's probably why it's, yeah. it's very pretty. The movie, the movie Fargo, the, the movie Fargo, the Coen Brothers movie Fargo, mm-hmm. yeah. none of that is actually shot in Fargo. And it takes place mostly in uh, Duluth and Saint, and, and, and Bemidji. And there's a and, few shots that were and, actually and shot most of that, blocks away. Not, not, not some. Most of that movie is shot just outside of Hallock, where I live. So I live in, in a town of a thousand people in a 180-mile radius between Winnipeg and Grand Forks. Like in a 180-mile radius between Winnipeg and Grand Forks where there's no there, there's nobody here. 
And in our little tiny town, they shot most of that movie Fargo, which was supposed to be taking place in the cities because there's more snow up here. And in one of the scenes, it was actually shot two blocks from my house. And so you can actually see the grain elevator in Hallock, and you can see a lot of this shit. It's literally two blocks down. So the, I was like, the, the house where the guy's like shoveling the snow out of his driveway. his driveway. And he's like, well, he comes on in there and he says, uh, I said, he says, where can a guy like me have a little fun? And I says, well, this ain't that kind of place. And so he says, the last guy that said that to me is dead now. What do you think of that? Why well, don't says nothing and he don't says nothing. And that was about it. That conversation that was shot like two, three blocks from my house. And, and anyone so. who says there's Minnesotans who don't talk like that, they're, there's liars. Tons of them. <laughs> there are they, many, many people that talk them. like that around here. The older they the, just don't hear their own accent. The older so. they are, the more they sound like that. You know, and so anyway, it's way, way, way off track. But I'm just saying, like, I'm always shocked by hearing how much aerial footage and stuff is actually shot in, in like rural Minnesota. You know. And I suppose New York, that area is probably fairly similar. A lot of greenery, rivers, grassland, and forest. Right? Well we're we're uh, valleys and mountains. Very like, well, where you, where you guys are now, I mean, but like yeah, Poughkeepsie, New York, I'm guessing. No, 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 that's what I'm talking about. Poughkeepsie, New York, it's like, okay, so where we live, um, it's like literally any direction you look and you see a mountain range. Oh. Yeah, it's oh, the Catskills, the Shawangunks, the uh, Adirondacks, Mohonk. There's like literally no matter what direction you look in, there's mountain ranges from like our home where we're from. So it's well, like I am far from fucking mountains. So why are they shooting shit in Minnesota? <laughs> yeah, it's like, mountains, mountains, mountains and valleys. So like where we lived, it you were on the bottom between all of the mountains. That's that's a that's a weird poll of shooting a lot of it in Minnesota. <laughs> anyway, I got up on a longer rabbit trail that needed to be said for that, but it just that 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 shocks me. I don't know why. No, you're good. But um, so the movie follows an unnamed killer, uh, or he may be named. Yeah, it may be named. We, I think he's named in the credits. I, sure. I just looked on IMDb, and it, the guy who plays him, it does say Edward Carver, but that it's weird because in the movie, he's never apprehended. They don't yeah. know He's never he named. Yeah, so that is kind of weird. Because we um, did a second watch. Beck and I did a second watch of this movie. Third. God, God bless you. <laughs> and, uh, well, you know, we did a third one, too, yeah. We did a third watch. I, I watched it the second time, and John fell asleep. <laughs> I fell asleep the first time, so like I did two watches of this movie full all the way through, and like after I read up that he was named, I was fucking looking for it. Yeah, to see if he was ever named, and I couldn't pick it up anywhere through I, the movie. I I commend you for watching. I watched. I've literally I've watched it once. And that was enough. It, and it's not one that, like... You didn't you rewatch know, it? Fuck you. No, I did not. I did not. No, I told you, it's taboo. No, dude. It's, okay. So, first off, this is how... This movie, literally, I can tell you every detail about this movie. It is that ingrained in my fucking head. And I watched it once. And it literally, like... See, I didn't it's, think... It's not like it's, like, gory. It's not like it's anything like that. It just literally just, like... It's, is it putting it's the fear so, where we're from that makes it so... That's it's right. not even that, because, like, I mean, like... I have murders that have hit a lot closer to home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, like, that... That I can even look by, like, like look past. But this, like, it's so uncomfortable. Yeah. Like, the filming style, literally, it is meant to hit your senses. It's meant to pick at your senses. Yeah. And, like... The movie is, it's, to give a background, if anybody hasn't 
watch the movie. It's Don't. shot like a documentary. And it's but not the, like it's not like a found footage movie. It's like legitimately like, like you're doc- watching yeah. Yeah. a true crime documentary. That's and, but uh, essentially, uh, the premise is this killer who was killing people in Poughkeepsie. He would videotape all of his murders and like him stalking people and, and torturing, and torturing, women yeah, and just torturing like them that. and just like mental abuse, physical abuse, and it's pretty much just like talking about this investigation on this killer, all while incorporating clips to where you feel like you're watching like snuff films. Yeah, yeah. You're, exactly, and you're mm-hmm. like you feel like you're watching these things like happen, but like it really fucks with like it's real your emotions. It's very yeah, yeah, it's extremely realistic, and I think that's what's uncomfortable about it is because you almost feel like you're watching something that actually happened, and you're like. You feel wrong for it, yeah. like, and it's but just like. I think that's what makes this a successful horror. Absolutely, film. Yeah. and I'm not saying it's any not by any film, means. And, and and but I think that the fact that you like, you, Eric is not is somebody who scares easily. So the fact that she refuses to rewatch this movie tells me that it hit in all the right places to be a horror, a true horror movie, film, absolutely. Which is watching it, it is not a horror movie. Watching it, it is a true it's a doc- crime documentary. documentary. It's done very but, very well. Yeah, but it's, like, it is. It does. It feels like it. Like, but if I there think was that's not what credits, horror is about. You would not assume that it was fake. You would think that this is the real story, which I think is where, um, you know, there's, there, all those stupid found footage films are nothing but bullshit. What are you doing? Oh. They're still laughing about the cat um, fucking with So, you. you know, like, this movie actually hits you, and that's the thing is that when this movie came out, like we were saying earlier, people thought this was about the guy who was killing people in Poughkeepsie. People thought that, oh, he recorded them, which yeah. it's not, that's not part of that crime. It never happened. But that is what people thought because this movie was done so well. Yeah. And I think that's another thing about the movie, though, is that, like, you you obviously do have those people that think that it's it's based on that and that that's, you know, that it's it's real and whatever. And I think the fact that they were able to create it to the point, like Blair Witch Project, it came out, people thought it was real. Mm-hmm. And I got that. I understand that. Like, they, they amped it up. But this, people thought was real. And to me, it it felt real. Yeah. Like, you know, Blair Witch, you were like, okay, it's whatever. Paranormal. Like, it's paranormal. Like, you're kind of, bur- and that was the first one. So you weren't quite burnt out on it yet. And I think that that's why it was so successful. But this this just hit something totally different for me. This is how well done I would say this is. If they came out with something that was just like, hey, it's been exposed that these tapes that they found were actually real. I believe I'd it. absolutely I'd be like oh, I would eat that uh, shit right, up hook yep. line and sinker. I'd be like, Yep, <laughs> exactly. that happened. But it's I mean, it just we've discussed it and we've discussed it not once, not twice, but like quite a few times. Anything that gets my anxiety going, I am all about and I, this is a debatable movie on whether it's horror or not, as far as oh, I think it absolutely the is. context 100%. exactly. And I'm, and that's where I'm going with this. I, this is absolutely, this is a hundred percent, this is true horror, and it, it literally, like when I tell you, it makes my anxiety go through the roof. The thought of having to rewatch it, I was like, I went back and forth for a good three days on whether I was going to rewatch it or not, and I just, I was like, I don't want to, I can't, <laughs> I, I just, and I said it. For, like, so many times every day and to Dylan, I'd be like, I don't want to do this. I'm not fucking, I'm not watching this. I'm not. And Sarah's like, you guys are being pussies. And I'm like, nope. <laughs> you can call me a pussy all day long. I, all right. 
right. not watching it. Side note, it. my brother just texted me. Uh, we're, we're recording this on April Fool's Day. Um, he sent a text to my mom and said, you got two grams for 40 trying to cop some shit out here, but I don't feel like driving back to Accord. And then she wrote back and wrote, what the fuck? And he wrote, sorry, wrong person. (laughs) 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 And she's like, he's like April fools. And she said, you better be fucking kidding. That's not even funny. I fucking love you, brother. He's such a dickwad. Anyway, real back in. We're going to it. But but see, even that, that's a great example. Okay, that text you're just talking about. He made it sound real. Yeah. And your mother believed it, right? Because he put in pieces in that text message that made it sound real. And so the difference between this movie and a lot of other found footage movies and all horror in general, right? Because I put horror in different tiers. Mm-hmm. There's the first tier, which is like if I was entertained by it, but it kind of floats around in the sea of, of average to mediocre horror. Mm-hmm. That's all sits in one tier. The next tier up is like, all right, I'm impressed by, by some of what this had to offer, but it could have really, it, it could have really capitalized on some potential. They could have done their homework. They, they could have done their homework just a little bit more, but I, but it's clear that they they tried a little bit more. And then like there's the top tier where it's like, okay, now if we're judging, nobody is losing out by making a bad movie, yeah. right? And then like the, there's the one tier above that, which is masterclass intent. And so in the and the scruples of masterclass intent horror, number one, first and foremost, is attention to detail. And and when every detail, we talked about the Vasuka sounds of the lamps. When every detail is hit, it makes it it transcends the project into being more than just a piece of film. And so when you're dealing with a mode of delivery, and I think this is going to be a relevant topic of discussion tonight too, yeah. is the simple the the aspects of the mode of delivery of found footage in general. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it was definitely because like Dylan had asked me last night when we were watching it, uh, Dylan was like, what were your thoughts? And I was like, in my head, I'm like, I'm going to get into more of this on the podcast, I think, because I think it's a really good discussion to have in terms of like, I love the idea of found footage. Mm-hmm. I always have. I love the original Paranormal Activity. I love Paranormal Activity, too, because it all told one story. Mm-hmm. And so I loved that idea, but found footage as an experimental mode of delivery has its issues that you have yeah. to address, that you have to address. And if you choose not to address it, you're coming out of that masterclass intent category. And so it's like every single time where you had, and it's, and, and here's the problem with masterclass intent stuff. It's a lot of fucking work. It is, mm-hmm. and, it, and it's a lot of work over what 99.9% of people would think is trivial shit, and that it's not going to matter. So, like, there's tons of times when, like, I'm editing a book, or I'm working on a new song, or I'm working on production, or I'm doing photo shoots, or I'm doing whatever, and I, I have 15 different versions of the same picture, or yep. 15 different versions of the same sentence, or 20 different versions of the same paragraph. And Becca will look at me like I'm neurotic and losing my mind because I haven't slept in three days because I'm putting together this, I'm, I'm putting this stuff together. And Becca's like, I can't, I can't tell them apart. It's like, I can tell them apart. Yeah. And 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 I and I can tell them apart. And I'm and I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out what's going to be perfect here. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot of fucking work. And to 99.9 percent of people, they're going to look at it and be like, dude, oh my god, I don't fucking care. I think you're overthinking this. 
and it's not going to pay off until the final product is shown. And it's going to be all that kind of thing. It's, it's one of those, it's one of those things that like, it's not fully appreciated until it's seen in the final product. And you're not going to appreciate how great that effort is until it's not there. And so it's one of those things kind of like a janitor, right? A janitor is not appreciated until he's not there. You know, he does all this kind of dirty work that not a lot of people think is relevant until he's not doing it. And so that comes through and found footage, I think, more than any other mode of delivery. And at every single point in this movie, I could tell that they sat and toiled over every second of this goddamn movie. Yeah. Not, not just from a found footage standpoint, but they studied documentaries and how those documentaries are put together mm-hmm. down to the kind of down to the kind of background music that they use down to the sound effects that they'll put in down to the different interview sound bites that they like to use in these true crime documentaries down to the tones of voice that they want these different detectives to have. Because if you look, all the detectives have a different tone of voice that basically matches their sort of personality as a de- as a detective or an audio visual specialist i guarantee you all that stuff was 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 thought about at every step of this i I guarantee you it was i guarantee you it was because because and 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 it's all that kind of shit that like the people that were working on it probably thought everybody was nuts until Mm -hmm. the final product comes out and eric is sitting here going like i can't watch this fucking movie because it seems real and it's like that means that at every step in this project they took every measure to make sure that this hit every single point that they wanted it to hit. And that to me is the mark of true horror. Like we're talking about it because it, it, my, my one, the, the quote or soundbite that I always throw out, true horror comes from the heart. Yeah. And it comes from the heart in creation. It comes from the heart in production and it comes to the heart in execution and it comes to the heart in the final product. And the way that these actors, they had to have studied crime footage or, or I, I would even go so far as to say that maybe they, now this is a really taboo topic, but like, that like maybe they even went so far as to like actually watch like illegal snuff films to see how people react and act in their, in their most panic moments. Yeah. Because you can't get that type of perspective as an actor without seeing it or experiencing it. And so it's, it's that realm of human experience that you only have through experience if that makes any sense okay yeah, it does the, the only okay. thing that the only thing with this movie that took me out of it and it was one part in specific was uh when they tried to like the the professor for the college he's like oh i interviewed bundy to try and catch the green river killer and i'm like okay this isn't robert keppel like why they basically just like threw did, that storyline in well, yeah. was, it, was it was it for the green river killers yeah, they brought up the. Oh, okay, I missed that. I thought I thought that they threw it in that like he had talked to Bundy. Oh shit! Yeah, because he talked to Bundy and he said that it's relevant in the, in this case. Yeah. So okay. so I yeah. like that kind of threw me off. I'm like, but that's why the did thing. No, is that it threw you off because we knew it. You were interested in that, and you've looked into that, and you've listened to podcasts and watched documentaries on it. Like somebody who's not into documentaries, who does who doesn't look into serial killers, you know, daily. Yeah, that they wouldn't that wouldn't have caught up anybody else on that. But, um, but the the execution of it though is is what I'm looking at in terms of yeah. like how they made that interview with Bundy over the Green River Killer matter in this specific plotline. Yeah. And, and I and I guess where I'm, where I'm going with that is saying that like the inclusion of that little snippet and the editing 
of putting the, the little interview snippet together in with his lesson is very in tune and in step with actual true crime documentary filmmaking. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. That That's something you would see in a true yeah. crime documentary film. And it looked for all intents and purposes to be uh, logistical and, and true, you know, I think the reality with this movie, too, is that I think that the real crime that actually did happen that has may have nothing to do with this movie at all, may have no influence on this movie, helped this movie in the long run. You know what I mm-hmm. think helped it, too, is that it wasn't released on a large platform. Yeah. It's kind well, of Well, because it like... made it, like... Because, okay, when a documentary is released, it's not, like, this big thing. The only documentary I can think of that was ever released and was, like, a big deal was... Making a Murder. Making a Murder. Exactly. Other than that, documentaries are released every day on fucking yeah, Netflix. Um, There's hundreds of uh, true crimes documentaries you can watch that you've never heard of. Some of them uh, are great, some of them are sucky. What? Did, didn't Michael Moore do one on uh, uh, the Columbine shooting? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 but if you actually watch it, it's like definitely, uh, it's, I don't feel that that movie, my, my government teacher made me watch that, and I don't feel that it was a true crime documentary. What it was was like... I'm not. I don't want to get on the gun control. Yeah. Well, no, no, yes, right, right, right. But, but, but what I'm what I'm saying though is, I remember that one having a bit of a a bit of a like. That's just because it was splash. Michael Moore. And honestly, as from what I remember growing up, is not really any major true crime documentaries. I think the only things I honestly remember seeing was uh, what what was it the unsolved. Mysteries. Oh, oh yeah. my yeah, god, I love that. Mysteries fucked my childhood. No, that yeah. and Beyond Belief Factor Fiction. That's Dude, fucked me. I think the biggest. Me mentally. I think as far as true crime, the only big ones that have really come out was Making a Murder. OJ and, Simpson. And uh, recently. Paradise Lost. The no, no, West, now, West now the one with OJ Simpson allegedly admitting that he allegedly. Yeah, but there wasn't a documentary allegedly. that was put out. Yeah, I know. I'm Did just you guys saying hear that, that OJ, OJ was going to write a book? When he was still at, like, when he was still a free man, he was going to write a book that was like, I didn't kill her, but if I did, this is how I would have done to, it. He had to, didn't he? For like, yeah, he had purposes. to write the book. Yeah. That's he, that was the deal for him getting away with it. He had to write oh this book God. of what allegedly <laughs> happened. But that's what that huge interview that just came out, the Lost Tapes, was. It was him admitting to it, but he gets he admitted to the murder in detail, but just said allegedly before every sentence, yeah, so that oh he couldn't be God. said, "Oh yeah, you did it." He said allegedly, "This is what I would have done if I killed her." Yeah, allegedly, right. this is what right. happened. Allegedly, right. I drove my car to her house yeah. I allegedly stabbed her I blacked out allegedly I had blood all over you <laughs> I imagine if you murder somebody in that fashion there'd be a lot of blood <laughs> yeah but um, one of the one of the major props I'm gonna give this the uh, the lady that plays Cheryl is actually the wife of the director <laughs> really now I I don't man I don't know if I'd have the stones straight up to to document in that vivid and graphic of detail, regardless of whether it's fiction or not. I don't know if I could ask my betrothed to do that on screen for millions of people to watch. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I don't know. I, but but then it, but it's I two different pieces of it. Yeah, Becca and I talked about it. It's two different pieces of this because it's like I don't know I don't know if it's like if it's something that it's like, well, they're just a different type of couple, man, and then, and, then, yeah. and, then, and, but, and they're sort of messed up. Or if that's your go-to, who, who because who else are you going to trust enough 
yeah. you know, mm-hmm. like to do that kind of shit. And, and as an actress too, you know, like yeah. who else are you going to sort of trust? It's without but, judging you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And how, and how much, you know, who, what other director are you going to trust enough to, you know, to, to keep it in the proper context, you know, and yeah. be like, okay, so this is, we're all aware that this is fake, right? And that's your husband standing there. So it's like, he can reassure you at every step, you know, yeah. I guess in what better way can you, so I'm I'm kind of torn on that. I don't know if it makes them uber twisted or if that it was, makes them super I mean, that was really, that aspect of it was really what made the movie uncomfortable was for me to watch. Was she the slave thing? Yeah. yeah I, sure like, as far as, like, the, the murders and everything, that... Oh, my God, that scene when she was, like, back with her family and she she's, like, they're, like, interviewing her and she's just, like, what, he's what coming back to me. I'm in love with him. Like, he... Yeah. he I don't care what anybody says. He truly loves me. And then they're like, she killed herself like a couple days later. Yeah. I was like, oh my yep. god, she's I, she's she's brainwashed. Stockholm syndrome. Stockholm well, syndrome. And not only that, like even throughout, well, even throughout a conversation, you know, they like I said, every single point where attention to detail becomes important, every measure was taken in this movie. So like she, because like for the forensic psych program, like like literally every single uncomfortable piece of humanic behavior in terms of serial crime I had the opportunity to study and so like see I watched a lot of these types of interviews and it looked for all intents and purposes real and so like I was aware that they're actors and everything else but I was just like kudos to you guys because so let me let me ask you this John put yourself in like Imagine you didn't know these were actors, and we just said, "Hey, like we forwarded you this link. And we're like, hey, watch this movie. Would you have thought? Okay, would you? This is would real. you delete us on command? Yeah. <laughs> no, I would. I, I, I'm one of those people that like I let people be, and until they wrong me, I don't cut them out of my life. So I wouldn't judge anybody for it. But like, be, I think in today's day and age, I would assume that it's fake. But only because we live in the digital age and yeah. I've been exposed yeah. to a lot of different things. I, w- I told Becca, I was like, I'm pretty sure, matter of fact, I'm almost positive I could show this to my sister as a, as a true crime documentary. And tell her that like if this is a true crime documentary and she would think that it's real. One of Sierra's friends said that she was going to do that to her husband. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. You'd, have tell him, you'd have to tell him that it's like, this is just a true crime documentary that I, I would watch the other night. And it's really fucking interesting. You should check it out. You know, yeah. Real fucked but, up. And then, yeah, exactly. Just and until ruin you every friendship you've ever had. had. <laughs> yeah, and until you get the cast list at the end. They even did the, um, they gave their, their, um, their, their shout outs to, the dead even though they were fictional dead characters they did that in the very end they said like this film is dedicated to those who were lost and gone too soon and they dedicated it to all the fictional characters that ed carver had killed that's like the icing on the cake to make it yeah because they do that exactly and until you get the cast list at the very end you're never given any inclination that it's fictional and at every step of the way i'm like this this I'm very, very, very impressed. Very yeah. Well you know, and, and so like, and even in the conversation before she says that, like, you know, they won't let me say it, but he loved me. Like before that, she's so submissive. Well, especially and when they, she, when they're talking about when she's in the she, hospital and she was saying like, oh, I want to go home. And then they brought her home and she's like, kept saying it. I want to go home. And she, they realized she wasn't talk, like, talking that about that was like, Jesus right. fucking Christ. Yeah. And then like, and when she was saying in the conversation, she's talking to the interviewer. So now she's also projecting, she's also projecting 
her 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 schizoid submission she's projecting it on the interviewer so she's giving the direction of power to the interviewer because if you remember throughout the conversation she says i don't know what you want me to say yeah, yeah what do you because want me to say because for how long was she given her responses yeah as exactly. a slave she she had a very measured list of responses she was allowed to answer with and allowed to say mm-hmm. and so and like so even direction. though she, right she like Beck was saying she needed direction so like she i'm not sure what you want me to say it's like you have to tell her what to say it's so beaten into her you know she's no longer her own self right she's exactly no, she's kind of like a show made into the slave mm-hmm. i do uh i want to get into ratings because i'm really curious to hear what everybody wants to rate this movie but there's one thing that i want to bring up before we get into ratings um there was a part that i <laughs> i felt like a piece of shit for <laughs> Sorry, guys. How dare you sneeze on this podcast. No blessings for you. <laughs> you had your own blessing. Don't yeah. get greedy now. Um, Sorry, I, guys. I, I felt like a piece of shit for laughing at it, but, like, <laughs> I, I I couldn't help it. It's just, I don't know what it was about the, the one line. But, so, uh, they have a, a moment in the movie where they think that they caught the killer, and they put him on death row. He gets lethal injection. He's killed. Um, and then you find out that he wasn't actually the killer. And they have his son doing interviews, and pretty much what he had said happened was his dad was proven innocent, and when they ran it in the papers, it was 9-11. So it got pushed back to, like, the third page. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Page six. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, page six. And I'm just, like, I'm waiting for it. I'm sitting there, I'm like, tell me they're going to say that. And, like, the kid in a roundabout way was like, thanks, 9-11. Yeah. Like, <laughs> way to go. Thanks, yeah. thanks, 9-11. Thanks, George Bush. Yeah, yeah. thanks, 9-11. You ruin everything. Like, right. I, I just fucking lost. I was like, Jesus fucking Christ, this movie just went there. <laughs> right, yeah. It was, it was very quick, but it was definitely there, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But but um, it's but it's but but it wasn't meaningless though, and even that was attention to detail because it was like, so it's like okay, why had all this been set up at the time frame that it was set up? Because the killer had known that if you framed him at that specific time frame, and he had an understanding of criminal proceedings, he knew that it was going to take them three to six months for an original incarceration, first sentencing, preliminary hearings, uh, litigation, and evidence swapping, and then the actual criminal trial. He understood that it was going to take three to six months for a sentencing to be handed down. So he had to plan out when the evidence was found, understanding normal police criminal procedure and how long it actually takes. So think about that. And, like, and then five years to the actual execution and then, date. And then five years to the actual execution date. So he had to plan how far in advance to like get this to come out seamlessly, you know, to get it, to get when it, he's actually exonerated because he gave them the exoneration. The killer had given him the exoneration by sending the hashtag spoiler alert. I guess you know he had sent he had sent the map and said missed one, right? Yeah. So if he'd been off even by two weeks, you know, in in his planning of how long it was going to take for this guy to get caught, arrested, sentenced, and then killed, if he'd been off in even two weeks, like in the, and that was what the reporter had said. He goes, any other week in American history, this would have been a national sensation. Mm-hmm. And so it was like, I don't take it as a stroke of luck that they were using the 9-11 thing either. Like, I think, like, I think it was like the killer planned that. Edward Carver did 9-11. Well, I, I guess, <laughs> I mean, you, you can count on it, I guess, but like, 
There's no way you can count on it because there's no way he would have known about 9-11. But, like, unless. That's or so coincidental. He. But did he? That's so. Or, or, or maybe, or maybe it was non-coincidental because, a, a, like, uh, a, a killer like that being so blatantly narcissistic, especially strolling back in to speak to the mother face forward with a camera in her face to record it all. You know, a killer that narcissistic, he probably would have wanted the national sensation of finding out that the cop was exonerated after he was put to death. So what so, I want to know is. Did Edward Carver do 9-11? Turn it off. This is why we don't take that Okay, reading. Who's going to pull out an improv moment on a horror podcast better than that? We no did one. it. Long live Horror Haven. <laughs> You're listening to the wrong podcast, guys. John, I want to hear your rating on the Poughkeepsie tapes. Okay. Okay, so um, I have a very long history of found footage. I, I like the idea of it a lot. One of my favorite horror movies of all time is The Blair Witch Project. And this I is why John. we're friends. And I feel Sarah hates me and Dylan for this. I almost divorced Dylan over the the Blair Witch. I I bore witness to that. (laughs) The rest of them are terrible, but the original one I think is very, very good because because found footage is a very strange mode of delivery. And and it's a very intense experience because it does the one thing that I guess was horror's next step. You get to live the horror movie. Like you get to live the experience. That's what it's after. And that's a very intense experience. And so there's a couple different things in horror that are just as intense. One is possession. That's why every single movie that has to do with supernatural demons and possessions and everything since the exorcist, all of them have a fucking exorcism scene because they all want that super intense experience. Found footage is a lot the same way. The scares are usually set up in the exact same way. It's really quiet. It's super dark. And then out of nowhere, you get this splash explosion of noise and sound. And it's supposed to frighten you to the, you know, to, to some huge extent because you're like living the horror movie. That said, it's a very much a one trick pony in that regard. And I think a lot of the found footage movies that came out in the found footage craze played that thing to death. And it ruined a lot of the, the delivery of found footage. And it kind of settled the debate for me in my head as far as whether I, was really as in love with the idea of found footage or whether it was like a, a one shot thing that was good just because it was so different and knew, and, at that time. and knew at that time. Now, the reason why I love the Blair Witch Project so much is I've come down to this. I think there are two different acceptable reasons to tell your story in the mode of found footage, because when you start telling a story, you can decide to tell it in however many different ways. You know, you can tell it firsthand, second person, third person. You can tell it found footage. You can tell it normal cinematic. You can tell it avant-garde. You, you know, you can do a lot of different stuff with it. To choose found footage, I think you need to do one of two things. You need to present it as if it was literally just footage that was found, no explanation. And you're just seeing it for some reason, right? Mm-hmm. Which is, I think Cloverfield was effective too to that same degree because it's like you were seeing like military tapes, right? And so, um, uh, the Blair Witch Project, I think, was so effective because you literally got this idea that it was just footage that was found and showed to the public. 
And I think in terms, regardless of what you think of the movie, I think as a mode of delivery, that's a very good way of utilizing found footage. The second way that I think is acceptable now, especially after watching these movies for this weekend, that I think is acceptable for found footage is exactly what this movie did, presenting it as a documentary, utilizing found footage to, to, to prove points about something. And so <clears throat> the, the, the movie as a mode of delivery is not really found footage. You know, and I think you guys had hit on that where it's like, it, it's not really a found footage movie. It's, it's a mock documentary. Yeah, it's a mock documentary that happens to use found footage to, 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 to illustrate their points and, and to move the story along. And I think that to that degree, it does it very, very, very well with a lot of the points we've already covered. And, um, one of the more unsettling questions, and we talked about this a little bit last week with the silence of the lambs is, okay, main question. Why are we so obsessed with these fucked up people, their fucked up actions? And as horror people, we just are because, and, and this movie I think did it phenomenally well is it's just an exploration into the darkest pieces of humanity. Mm-hmm. And that is something that's worth exploring because we're all human. You know, and and that's really art at the highest level is just experiencing and ex- and exploring humanity and humankind and what we are in the cosmos, and it leaves no stone unturned. And so that's what I feel like this movie got right in every single aspect. I don't see this, I don't see this as like a self indulgent, like I don't see this as a self indulgent horror porn. No film I don't, I don't see it like that at all i just literally see it like an art expose on the darkest pieces of humanity a lot like sounds of the lambs and and it and it treated everything to such a high level you know it, it, it did its homework at literally every single step and so in terms of execution it was absolutely flawless in what it intended to do halfway through the movie I was called back as to like why one of the reasons I was never able to pursue forensic psychology was literally like I get to be such a vengeful and vindictive person, especially with like with bullies. I hate bullies. Like it's one of my biggest things is like I like I bullied bullies as a kid. And so like it's one of the things about like serial criminals is they're all bullies at their core. They're weak people that prey on the vulnerable and the innocent mm-hmm. and they prey on them on the, in their weakest moments. You know, so when you see him prey on a child, you know, like that's not someone that's going to fuck him up, you know, and, and, and he finds her when she's vulnerable and not expecting it or whatever else. And so it's like one of the reasons I was never able to pursue a career in this kind of stuff was literally the Elliot Stabler thing from SVU. I couldn't rationalize in my head how I would be able to be surrounded by these types of people and not want to fillet them alive. Yeah. But like, I would not be able to keep my composure, especially interrogating somebody like this who shows little to no remorse, you know, and they're trying to rationalize it. And so, I mean, it would more than irritate me. I'd go crazy. I, I would. And like, and I had that moment when I studied Andre Chikatilo and I studied him and, and watched a lot of these same types of interviews and a lot of these same types of crime scene photos. And it was like basically what I saw in that forensic psychology program is what was presented to me on these Poughkeepsie tapes. And to be able to make that claim is really a huge compliment in terms of their success as a found footage documentary film, that it was that real to me, you know, that, that it brought it back to the, 
to the element of like, now I know that I was right for not pursuing a, a, a career in forensic psychology because I would have became the punisher, you know, <laughs> and then been arrested and thrown in jail or whatever. It's one of the reasons why I love Wydell from the Devil's Rejects so much is that it's like everything that Wydell does, I would do, you know. And so it's like, so it's like, you, it's like, it's like, how about this little girl? Anybody? She looks cute and adorable here. Here's what she looked like when we pulled her out of your little fucking torture shack, you know. And so it's like that's and that's and that's one of the best piece. That's one of the best things about art at its core is it's especially horror is it's self reflexive. It's very honest and it makes you look at some very dark pieces of yourself. And so with this movie, I didn't have any moments whatsoever of like self indulgent erotica or even any sort of like pornographic sexual reaction or anything twisted or dark or demented like that. I had the same reactions I did when I was studying serial criminals in depth. I had this huge, very dark, like very visceral hatred for these, for the, for these types of people. And you're, and you're not only seeing these things, you're literally seeing it first person. So you're actually seeing it as if like you're the one doing these things. And that is a very intriguing experience. And so like, I don't think I can give this anything else but a 10 for executing to that type of level. It's set out to be a mock documentary and a found footage style where you could literally explore the darkest pieces of humanity. And it, and, and it accomplished that at every single step. And it was done so, so, so well that I don't know that given the like if you're going to judge this in just a cinematic context as just a cinematic movie it's probably not going to get that same score but as a found footage mock documentary it's about as best that this this is as good as it can be done yeah i don't know if i I don't know that it can be done better than this it can just be done as well as this you know so i'm gonna give this thing a 10 damn becca what you got uh, well, follow that. <laughs> dang, I was hoping he'd pick someone else next. <laughs> it's so hard to follow John after after he's done talking. Um. Uh, okay, so as far as entertainment value, I was very very well entertained. I I watched it three times in a row. I I didn't fall asleep except for the third time at the very end, but. <laughs> Um, from, from what I was watching, it, like, like John was saying, I wasn't pulled out of the movie to where I was like, oh, this is just all fake and I'll just watch and be entertained. It was literally like I was watching a documentary on a serial killer and, and it was horrifying. And so I feel that it, it fits the horror genre just fine because it brought out that feeling of horror. Um, Gosh, as far as ratings go, I'm only going to give it a 9.8 because... That's still high. (laughs) That's still like a 10. A 10 is as perfect as the movie can be. It's not quite a 10 only because if this was a true crime documentary and the serial killer had never been found, they would have included at the very end a number for you to call to oh, report. Oh, if you have any oh, information. Shit. Okay. Fuck, yeah. Becca, you're yeah. right. That <laughs> you would have been perfect. 
I missed it. So you're gonna write cool. these guys and send them that complaint, please. Just no, yeah. just write oh like on a piece of paper, you fucked up and send it to them. <laughs> fuck this I caught it. Missed I one. caught the mistake. <laughs> so other than other than that well, you know what? Yeah, just other than the here's the number you call to report the suspicious activity if you think it it's you know, whatever his name was, please call blah 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 number. So because that one piece is missing, that was the only thing that kept it from being real. And so, I mean, other than that little tiny tidbit, it was a very, very well done mockumentary, and it gets a 9.8. Okay. Sierra? Um, I I really liked it, and um, I think being from the area that it's based in was really, like, it was, it made it more fun for me to watch. It also made it more real for me to watch. Um, I'm going to say that I agree with John that this isn't a standard found footage film. I wouldn't even consider it a found footage film. Um, because for me, I feel like found footage films were made to be found and watched. Where this movie, I think it, the way that they went about it was a lot scarier because these were films that if they were real, nobody would ever want them to be out and seen by other people. This was specifically for his viewings. Mm. And I think that's that made it... I think that's what made it so scary, is that, like, these are things that people should not be watching. These videos were not meant to be in the hands of anybody. They were not meant to be viewed by anybody. Um, because they're fucked up. And he, this guy is, is a fucking disgusting, torture, murderous, probably a raper. Probably a raper. Yes, probably a raper. <laughs> oh, only after they're dead, remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean... Except for Cheryl. No, I'm not, this isn't a movie that I'm going to be, like, obsessively watching all the time. Like, I wouldn't even say it's my favorite movie, but if I'm grading this as a horror movie, this movie is scary. This movie is going to affect you. This movie is going to leave you feeling some sort of way, whether it's scared or concerned or interested. You're going to leave this movie with some sort of emotional something you know you should anyway yeah, yeah. unless you're and unless you're not, a fucking killer side eye. yeah if we're not. we're concerned right um yeah so i think for the i mean how many how many horror movies okay wait let me put it this way dylan there's never been an, um, a horror movie where i could say dylan let's watch that and he says no i'm not fucking watching that movie Erica, there's never been a horror movie where I could say, Erica, let's watch that. And she says, no fucking way I'm not watching that movie. This movie is probably the most successful horror movie I have seen for that reason. I'm going to agree with John. Ten. This is a horror movie. This movie takes what you are think you're afraid of and makes you sincerely feel fear. And that is what horror is. Horror comes from the heart, man. And when you're feeling, you know, now we got true horror. Yep, absolutely. True horror name drop. Love it. Erica. Yo, fuck this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Erica, fuck this movie. <laughs> this movie is just fucked up. Like, just fucked up. I don't know. There's not a lot of movies that I... I, that I can say that I, I'd watch and then I'm like, I wouldn't watch it again. Like, you know how, like, you click through the channels, you've seen it, but you're mm-hmm. like, and it was shit, but you're like, eh, it's on, there's nothing else on, like, I'll watch it. 
This movie you'd scroll past? This one is like, I would bypass this in a heartbeat. I told you I was not joking when I told you I was not watching it again. <laughs> Watched it once. What are you going to give it? That was enough. This movie fucked me up. Like, I I have never been more uncomfortable watching something than I have this. Like, I would, I think I could probably get through uh, Cannibal Holocaust before I could get through this. Uh, again. I don't know about no, that. I agree. Nope. No, Before well, I don't know, like, this again? for me, okay, I'd for watch me, this over Cannibal Holocaust. For me, I could watch this because I know that this is fake. Cannibal Holocaust did really questionable things. Yeah, but I can I can do the gore. Like, like I can, yeah, gore, yeah, like, visually I can shit, watch like, that, Cannibal that Holocaust. I can get. I just don't necessarily agree with the strategies they Yeah, I don't, the anyway. animal thing doesn't bother me as much as this. This just really, like, I literally, like, it made, it makes me feel so uncomfortable even thinking about this movie. It just makes me I really want to hear your rating. I'm kind of torn about that. So, like, I, truthfully, it is a true horror movie. And I, I, it's, it's styled like a documentary. You could put it in true crime. I mean, I feel like it crosses a lot of spectrums, but it's, it invokes every, every idea and concept that is horror. Like, it's, it's something that truly is, like, unsettling and uncomfortable. But at the same time, it's like, I don't ever want to watch it again. And it's like, so, you know, that's kind of, kind of low. But if I, if I'm going based off the fact that, you know, it's a horror movie and going off of that, it's definitely a 10. Um... So you're giving it a ten. I'll give it a ten. Yeah. It scared Erica to the it point where she you, doesn't let me. I don't. Dish. I will not fuck you and watching this thing. All right. I guess it's. I my feel turn. like this is really going to make people want to try and watch this movie. <laughs> and that's fine. I mean, all for it. Like, if you are down for that, go for it. Watch it. But it's just, it's fucked up. It's just fucked up. I can't do the fucking the hands. No hands. The what? Crawling on the floor. With <laughs> yeah. That, oh, yeah, that like part that, like, with him crawling on the floor with the, the two mask, masks on. That like, that is the part that fucked me up. That was that, the scene. I my, heard, my inter- the interview is, with her was, at the end is literally what the killer, me up. or was that um, the girl that was crawling? Because both masks were on. So I, John and I actually debated whether or not that was him or her. It could, it could very potentially be him. Getting her to but, help him, but her mask was on the top of the head, so I, I was trying to decide just by the shape of the hands whether it was her or him. I and I and we couldn't really decipher who it was That's a because good point. she she had killed that one prostitute mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. on his orders. So yeah, so we were trying to decide whether it was her or him, like just based on the body shape and whether or not they had boobs. And it was, like, it was, like, it was wearing it was all black. To, yeah, yeah. It was I didn't right. even think about that. That's a good point. Um, I I came I came into this episode and I was like, I'm probably gonna give this movie like a six six point five. Actually, discussing it, George? I mean, I I gotta agree with you guys. Like, it, there's nothing that I can really complain about with the movie. It held my interest the entire time, and it made me scared. Scared and it made me feel emotions. Yeah, where like I mean I've watched fuck it, Erica. 
I send you a true crime documentary like every night. <laughs> yeah, but I can watch those. Dylan, I can right. watch those. Dylan I can watch his true crime to fall asleep. I can, yeah, I, I fall asleep to true crime documentaries, but I, or I can watch those Pokemon and be card yeah. I can watch those and be fine, but like this, I, I don't know. It, it's weird. I, I wonder if it affects us more because it's. It could be a biased thing because that's where we're from. I mean, if you watch this movie, let us know what you think of it and let us know if we're just being I, okay, so giant pussies or not. I just, can I set this, can I set this up for you guys really quick just to get an can idea? Can I give my rating? Yeah, give your rating and then I want to set it up <laughs> for them so that they can kind of understand how it would have felt watching it at your dad's house. Oh, yeah. Give uh, a rating. Rush, get out of the bathroom. I'm talking to my dog, I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry. Shut <laughs> up. Um, I I get yeah. I guess I'm gonna have to give it a ten. I mean, there's really nothing that I can say. Becca fucked it up. I'm sorry. I it it didn't have that phone number or you know email address. It so still rounds up to even. a ten. Woo! It still rounds up to a ten, Becca. Uh, if you make the cake, I'll give it a ten. <laughs> No, it, it still rounds up. You're good with your rating. Yeah, you don't have we, to We won test. in the end, so... You didn't pull a Steven. Yeah, because once we get the, the, the solid rating, if it's within... If it's over a 9.5... Or a 9.95, we round Wait, it up Erica. to a 10. <laughs> I'm well, the only one that well, just well, like, gave... No, think, it's not there. The, you gave it a 10. How is a 10 I know, not it's not. Like, <laughs> well, but like, I think, I think one of the important things to distinguish, and I always mention this, is that it's like... I think critics so many times get stuff wrong they confuse whether or not they're a fan of something with how good the product is exactly when you're giving a review absolutely not is it good for what it is absolutely so yeah and and that's what i'm saying we're grading it we're not saying how much of a fan we are you know now that said i'm i'm gonna own this movie i think because i'm such a horror for story and execution and like anytime you execute your idea to that level let me set you up on um, 14-year-old Dylan watching this movie. Are you ready? <laughs> there he was. I would have fucking... I would have. I like that you hold the fucking mic close to you. Like, it's story time, guys. Are you guys ready for this? <laughs> there he out. was. Bring it on to me. Okay, there he was, 14 years old. The year, 2008. It was... No, you were 14 in 2008. I was 14 in 2007, Sierra. I know how old I was at certain time periods. Okay, there he was. 14, 2007. Sitting home alone one night. Howard was out racing with the boys. I'm gonna just give you I a description. Him in booty shorts, like racing. Like, just a few hours race, earlier, Dylan had walked home from the bus stop at the end of his dirt road, up into the woods, probably about a mile into the woods is where Dylan lived, secluded from the rest of the world. He had no phone at his house or internet. Well, he had dial-up, but that shit didn't work. He had no contact to the outside world, and he. Sits down on his... He lays down on his bed after a long day at school. He finishes his homework because the fucker was an A-plus student. Don't tell them that. And he goes, I'm I was gonna a ba- watch, I was the bad boy of the group, guys. I'm going to watch this <laughs> supposed real movie based on Francois because that's what we thought at the time. You know it's true. Rich Felter told me about it. I bet that's true, too. He lays down with his iPod classic, pops his earphones in, his little earbuds... And watches the Poughkeepsie tapes. 
The boy didn't sleep for three weeks after that. Yeah, he stared out his windows, that. made sure Francois wasn't coming to get him. He was scared out of his wits. <laughs> well, like well, well, Sierra, about 30% of that was probably right. <laughs> well, Half the pissed his pants. One of the things that I think is telling is that even in Francois' what? letters, he, like, even in Francois' letters, he talks about, he talks about how there's, even, like, in Francois' letters, he talks about how there's stuff that he doesn't want to talk about or write down or relive. And in the Poughkeepsie tapes, when they find all the tapes, there's tapes that are missing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's, and so it's, it's, what's creepy about, I, I meant to bring this up before, uh, Francois' letters, if you look them up, they are so perfectly written. Oh, yeah. And they Absolutely. actually discussed that, too. Like, he said that he paid close attention to detail. If he was, like, even the slightest bit unsure of how to spell a word or, like, was thinking he was going to misuse a word, he would fucking look into it and make sure that he didn't. Like, these are, like, fucking... You would think that this motherfucker pulled up a Word document and put the script font on and typed it up. Like, yep, perfect handwriting. Yep. Well, and like, and, and one of the things that I love about this movie so much is the big question with found footage: How do you continue to explain that the fucking camera's on? Mm-hmm. And 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 this movie, you don't even wonder about it. Well, that's you know. something. Can that I we're say that with, uh... when when we talk about the next movie, that was like the whole time I'm like. Who the fuck's recording this? Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get, get into, into that because yeah. I'm on, I, we said the same kind of thing. That's so <laughs> That's going to wrap it up for this episode of Horror Haven Podcast. We want to thank you guys so much for listening. We're going to be releasing another episode in a few days on As Above, So Below as the second part of this episode. So be sure to look out for that. And a week from this episode coming out, we're going to be covering Friday the 13th, parts 7 and 8. For Friday the 13th, because that's this month. Yes, here. I just want to let y'all know, if you do watch the Poughkeepsie tape after listening to this episode, and you're like, oh, wow, these people are fucking psychos. We did not necessarily say it was a good film, like, entertaining-wise. It was just really scary. And if you it watch it, and you're like, these guys are pussies. Horrifying. We yes. are. So, if you think I'm a pussy, you just inbox me, and you let me know your thoughts. Slide into the DMs. And, uh, and, uh add your address we can the square bottom. up later. Yeah. <laughs> Slide if into you've the ever DMs, seen Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, that, the end of that movie, that's how this is Oh, where they go around, and they're like, did you make fun? Yeah. Where are you, like, whatever, like, the username, right? Wampa One. Yeah. yeah. I slide slide into those DMs, them. call them pussies, and then send all the dick pics, just all of them. <laughs> No, no dick pics. pics. No dick what pics. is up with um, this podcast and dick pics? John's, John's <laughs> waiting for it. I appreciate you, John. <laughs> but um, I appreciate you. Right. You, you you snuck the dick the dick talk in. Um, right. <laughs> somebody had to. You can John's follow us. You can follow us on uh, Instagram and Facebook at Horror Haven Podcast or on Twitter at Horror underscore Haven. Um, if you contributed ratings to this episode, we appreciate it. Keep and doing it. Thanks. Keep doing it. Yeah, come join the discussion on Instagram, and we will be... If you get bored, you can email us. I'll email back and forth with you. I'll be your pen pal. Dude, I won't you're kill you. You're not your grinder out there anymore? Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> there's, something so, there's something so funny to me about, like, an inbox message that's spelled... Like, everything is spelled terribly. There's no grammar. There's like, you guys are pussies. That movie was shit. Here's my dick, though. <laughs> John, I swear to God, dick. if I get a picture of a dick after this, I'm like, ah! sending it to you. <laughs> 
I'm forwarding well, all dick pics to you. We still have yeah. dick pic ones. And we will be forwarding those to Skeleton Rose Media on Instagram. <laughs> and so, if you guys want to follow Skeleton Rose Media on Instagram, there's great books, music, and all dick pics. Yeah. Place for all your unsolicited <laughs> dick pics. Let me yes. have them. You want to horrify me with your shit? Just like in waiting. Where they're trying to catch everybody looking at their penises. Balls all the time yeah, it's a it's a podcast about dicks. <laughs> yeah, right. And give me give me the bat Sorry, where you're stretching the ball skin really tight. <laughs> you're right. You're right. You're right. All right have a good we night, guys. We just got called out by a kid about yeah, talking about dicks. Just yelled at us. <laughs> well, we're, all right. We're, we're talking guys. about Dick Van Dyke. Right? All right, nighty night. Stay brutal. Horns high. <laughs> Good night. He said stay brutal horns on. I love it.